like a trusted turnout jacket you've had for years. Flex 7 outer shell fabric delivers a perfectly broken-in feel on the very first wear. Flexible, comfortable, and powered with the strength of enforced technology, Flex 7 outer shell fabric is made to move. To learn more, visit tenkatafabrics.com slash flex7. Flex 7, powered by enforced technology. Only from Tenkata Protective Fabrics. Seconds count when responding to an emergency. Minutes save count when documenting your day. Emergency networking makes records management easier and faster with its Fire and EMS solution. User-friendly, complete online and offline functionality, highly customizable, all at an affordable price. For more information, please visit emergencynetworking.com. All right, all right. Welcome to Fire Engineering Podcast, the training officer. I'm your host, Dave McGlynn. Uh, if you're new to the show, I appreciate you tuning in, listening in, however you're going to do this. If you're watching it now or if you got in any old earbuds or whatever you're doing. Uh, the show is called The Training Officer. Fire Engineer gave me the show in November of 18. We called it the uh, Networking for Success. And uh, past few months, we changed the name to The Training Officer because that's kind of been my background and it's kind of been most of the focus of the topic that I was doing for the podcast. And we just felt like that's probably the direction we want to go. And the importance of that is, is that we're going to talk to people that have a training background or that are passionate about training. Um, and we try to bring their message, uh, their, their suggestions, their nuggets, uh, as well as their stories, things they went through and whatnot that, uh, you know, could, um, could help you along your journey if, uh, if, if, if you're just at one of them ruts. So, uh, tonight I'm joined uh, by a really awesome guest. Uh, and as you're going to see, uh, tonight's show with September being suicide awareness month, uh, this is a topic that's very near and dear to me. Um, I don't typically try to overly open up to it, but I, but I ask others to, to share their message. It's an important message to me. Uh, and then having the training background, I feel like we as training officers, this is of the highest importance for us to be able to advocate and educate our people and uh, be more proactive in our approach on how we can handle uh, such a a perceived stigmatic topic. Uh, so tonight I'm joined by Rick George, right? So Rick George has been in firefighter. He's been a firefighter with Palm Beach County, Florida since 1992. He's a state certified instructor one, a live fire instructor. He teaches extensively in ventilation, ladders, firefighter survival, flash over rapid intervention, quintenarial operations, high rise structure tactics, uh, search and rescue, hose management, room orientation, air management, and entanglement. Uh, he's been an instructor for his department for uh, over seven years, actually probably over 10 years, uh, and teaches throughout Florida. He's also an instructor at FDIC, so you've seen his face there. Uh, and he has also uh, co-authored the book, Developing Firefighter Resiliency, if I said that right, right? Did I say it right? Yep. Okay, good. Uh, so, Rick, thank you for joining me tonight, brother. I, uh, I appreciate you being on. My pleasure, bro. Thank I'm you. just chilling out. In I see that. I love it, man. I'm open to taking shots. Rick's in his right. rocker and smoking a cigar, enjoying the show with Dave. Right. You know, 
No, I love it, man. Remember You're in the rocker. You got the cigar going, bro. Like anybody that knows Rick. So like my fondest memory uh, is years ago, uh, I was teaching at FDIC and, uh, and I knew who he was and I bumped into him and uh, I asked him, I said, hey, you know, I'm new. Uh, some teaching his class. He, he came to my class. He gave me feedback after the class. It was great. And then uh, we were BSing outside of the convention center and he was smoking a cigar. And, and I'm just like, dude, this guy is just like too chill, man. Like, I just love it. So the fact that you're on the show with a cigar still, it makes like my whole day. You know what I mean? Like, it's just beautiful. I love it. <laughs> I'm at, uh, I got, I'm at my retreat. I got yeah. a little resort up in uh, North Georgia in the hills. Yeah, so this is my nest after 10 acres. I've been bush hogging all day and whatnot. That's yeah. how I get my mind right for the show. Right. I get on a tractor. Right, right, right. <laughs> now nah, I appreciate it, brother. I do, man. I that's that's cool that you get to do that too. Uh so yeah. for uh the audience, for the listener, uh tell us a little bit about yourself, who who you are, where you're from, and what inspired you to get into the fire service. Uh well, I wear a lot of hats just like everybody else, right? Son, father, husband, um, fireman, retired fireman, instructor, confidant. Man, I am, if I'm going to describe myself, I'm a work in progress. I know Rick George. He doesn't impress me. I am not the man that I want to be yet, but uh, the desire to continue to, uh, you know, Maslow's hierarchy where it talks about self actualization. That's where the motivation comes from. Um, I, I know that I can be a better version of who I am. And and that is because of my past. But uh, I was born in Cleveland, Ohio, and uh, raised in, uh, we, we made some stops in uh, Tennessee and a couple other places. Uh, grew up uh, between Orlando and, and Deerfield, uh, so Florida boy. And um, I have, uh, I, I don't know what inspired me. Um, to be in the fire service, honestly. And I question myself a lot on those nights where you don't sleep, like what the hell was I thinking, you know? And uh, ever since I was a child, I mean, my mom has, she kept this little book um, and it, it, it starts from pre-K and it goes all the way up into high school. And, and um, it, she would document how old I was, a lock a hair or something, a photo, you know, a, uh, a report card and, and then like aspirations and stuff. And it was always fireman, doctor, fireman, doctor, fireman, doctor. So I never made it to the doctor part, but I am a street doctor. I'm a paramedic. So I, and I became a fireman, but that, uh, that eluded me for a long time. Cause I have a, uh, I have a checkered past. I was, I am not, um, I, I didn't get here by a virtuous route. Uh, it was an intervention actually. And, um, but, uh, my previous life, uh, you know, when I was younger, I was a, I was a bad man and, um, I did a lot of bad things and, uh, I could, there's no way I could have ever passed the entrance exam, which is a piss test. You know, um, my life was involved in a lot of things outside of the law. Uh, and, and I guess that's why I loved working in, uh, in the combat zone in the ghetto because I get it, you know, but, um, and then uh, 
when I got sober, I've been sober this year. God, going to be 36 years. Nice. And uh, it took me a little while to figure out, you know, thank you. It, it, it took me a little while to figure out I had this allergic reaction to alcohol, you know. Everybody's heard me say it. You know, I, 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 they're like, really? You got I go, yeah, every time I drink, I break out in handcuffs. I'm that guy. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, uh, you know, when a judge tells you, son, the next time you come before me, bring a toothbrush because you're going away for a long mm. time. I, you got my attention and, um, things proceeded very quickly. I got, uh, went to a rehab, got sober and, uh, the rest is history. I actually got a job in the fire service, uh, and all these doors opened that we're going to talk about, um, that's going to lead us to that and your topics and stuff. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much the short version right there. No, it's, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful story. I, you know, I say to people uh, just everywhere I go, every opportunity that we have for, for the things that we get to do going around and teaching uh, and then even on, on this outlet uh, with the podcast. Like, uh, It's funny, I, I was talking to um, my guidance counselor from high school uh, on the phone today. Uh, she, I had left, I called her because uh, I'm finishing my book and I gave her... Uh, what? I'm glad you clarified that because I was like, bro, you're not out of high school yet. <laughs> no, 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 no. That was years okay. ago, years ago. Yeah, no, it was um <clears throat> no <laughs> no, thanks. No, um, no, but I I I've, I'm finishing the ball the, never goes yeah, right. it never ends in the fire service, right? No, but um so I I was finishing a book and I gave her an uh I wrote an acknowledgement um for some folks, uh and, and also in the dedication piece, uh and she came to my mind when I was when I was doing this, so I wanted to let her know that this was important to me. Like you know, like I was a troubled teen. Uh, I was a troubled adolescent. I was a bad kid, bad kid. Uh, I was the youngest of four, and uh, I was always finding a way to get myself in trouble. And um, and this woman, man, uh, she never gave up on me. Never. Uh, she literally like she was the epitome of what a guidance counselor is supposed to be. Um, and she also just, she was the definition of, of uh, like a mentor and, and, a, and, a, and, and a person that, you know, is there for your development and, and just all this stuff. And uh, obviously, you know, I haven't seen her Christ in like 23 years 24 years, 24 years. Yeah. Last time I saw her was 1999. So 24 years. Uh, so I, I, I Googled her and I saw that she's still in the system. So I, I, I called the high school that she's at and, uh, I, I left her a voicemail and said who I was and she called me today and, uh, it was just a beautiful conversation. And that's why I, I shared that. I, I didn't plan on sharing it. It was just cause your story, like the fire service, gives us so many opportunities to do all these awesome things um, that we didn't know was possible. And, uh, you know, not getting biblical in this because that's not what the show is about, but that's why I believe in faith. Um, you know, I believe that these opportunities were presented to people like us so that we could um, do something great. And, and the fire service was, was our conduit uh, to, to helping us uh, do that, that, that these great things. And um, you know, so I'm always just so appreciative of the fire service because, you know, uh, I have a house, I have uh, my kids, my wife, I'm able to travel the country, I'm able to talk to people all over. I wrote a book, I have, uh, uh, I'm going to have three college degrees 
the fire service did this. Um, I didn't know what I was doing when I got out of high school. I was a bum. I was going to do kind of street stuff too with my brother. Cause that's the type of person he was. And, and that's not, that's not a bad thing. I love him. He's my family. Just that's what he did. He was a street guy, you know, and he was a longshoreman and he worked on the docks and I was going to just follow in his footsteps. And, and I'm glad nothing against him. I'm just glad I didn't cause I've had these great opportunities. So I, 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 I can relate not on the same level, but just how it's like the fire service kind of like, just kind of gives us that reset. Go ahead. I, I, these are the conversations I could have for hours because this is, this is what's important. It's, uh, you know, when you called her, bro, that's the equivalent of somebody that we have a save on that we pull out of a fire or bring back from a cardiac arrest or, or cut out of a car or, or resuscitate after they've been in a, a lake or the ocean or wherever. And they, they call us back or get in touch with us to let us know what the result was. Yeah. Those are the, those are the things that keep you going, you know? Yeah. And um, your guidance counselor has got more hair on her head than I do, but I don't know how <laughs> dealing with kids 27 like that. Holy shit here. Just jam this in my eye right now. And get it over with. I don't want to do that. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, what you, um, yeah, it's, it's amazing the doors it opens. Yeah, it really is. You're right. So being that, like, you know, it's uh, like I said before, you know, September uh, and, uh, and, and, and that's the focus of, of the month. And then your background and how passionate you are and, and, and the background you've had in your life that you can, you can empathize with these things. You're passionate about them. I am for my reasons. I, I, you know, you, you're aware of them. So tonight, the focus, I would like it to be um, not just entirely, because there's a lot of great stuff that we can pick from 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 your brain. But just tonight, you know, we, we're going to be covering PTSD in, in our thing. You know, that's why I refer to the fire service as our thing, you know, um, sure. you know, and then and then more importantly, that, you know, the, the show is, is is called the training officer. So what's the training officer's responsibility when it comes to to this topic, you know, and and, and like why are those type of qualities or, or characteristics in those responsibilities. So important. So, um, I, I would equate it to like being a dad. Okay. Uh, your responsibility is to mold, protect and, and prepare. Um, the, 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 the lessons that life hands you, are not slights against you. They're refining you for wherever it is that you're going. And, it, and it's a father's responsibility to make sure that their children understand that. Um, and it's the training officers. It's the same responsibility. If we're truly one family, and this truly because it's a brotherhood, right? And that involves women, okay? Um, it's, it's, brotherhood to me is an all-inclusive statement, the same as firemen. You know, there's no delineation uh, for one sex, you know, over the other. Because um, uh, honestly, with all your gear on, I don't give a shit who you are. I don't care what you believe. I really don't give a crap. As long as you can do the job, bro, and you're going to be there with me, let's giddy up. You know, so the responsibility of the training officer <clears throat> is to kind of convey that message. You know, okay, you're on the job. I don't care how small you are. I don't care how light you are. We're going to need to find ways to overcome that. Okay. I don't care how big 
you are or how tough you think you are, we're going to find ways to be able to instill humility in you so that you can understand what it's like to be part of a team, okay? I don't care how smart you are. That doesn't mean that you're a natural-born leader because you can pass tests, okay? Character is extremely important. And if the training officer's job is to instill these characteristics in our people along with, you know, not just humility, but honesty and kindness, you know, tolerance, vigilance, um, love, um, these things, compassion, if he's going to try to instill that through his training, then he needs to be able to walk that talk. Most of the time, I remember early in the fire service, the only people that were in training were people on light duty. Um, right. Congratulations, because no, nobody wanted to go. Right. Um, I've, always, I've always wanted to go to training. I, I just thought, oh my God, I know exactly what I would do. And, and um, the, you know, it, and, then, and then there's some guys that, that go there because they think it's screaming and yelling and anybody can teach a recruit academy, which is not necessarily true. Yes, it's in a can. And yes, there are things that you have to do. And there are, there are things that you have to, uh, you have to not just be, you have to be competent, but it's an entry level competence. And so the training, um, the way that Bob Carpenter likes to talk about is, is about developing confidence and eventually leading them towards mastery and trying to lay that foundation and what that looks like. Because there, there is a lot more that goes into being a fireman than just this. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's it's not just you you have to develop your mind, learn how to work with people, uh, how to calm yourself in uncomfortable situations, how to work in blackout situations. There's so many things that go on that that dwells between the ears. And I, I just don't think that the fire service I don't think it was a common I don't think it was a common characteristic of training to teach that way. Right. And that's what I think the training officer's responsibility is. Right. I, I don't disagree. I, I'm not going to, because I want you to continue, but I just want to say like, you know, because it just uh, made me think of that. You're talking about uh, going through blackout situations, everything like that, right? So as training officers, as drill masters or instructors or whatever, <clears throat> part of developing these people is, is developing their um, confidence and not, and let me be clear, not ego. I'm not trying to pr produce a firefighter who thinks that he or she is the best in the fire service because that's how they get hurt. I'm trying to make you be able to have, like you just said, that opportunity to calm your heart rate and your respirations when shit's hitting the fan and then start thinking, how can I make it through this situation? Because uh, preventative maintenance for me, just in my experience as a training officer, is trying to remove imagination from them. So like when we do mass confidence type training and we do firefighter survival or RIT training, like I'm in there with them trying to tell them like, okay, hey, calm down. Because in real life, this is going to happen. What's going to happen is your imagination takes over and you start painting a picture in your mind of the schematics of the building that you're in and they ain't the same as what you, what the building really is. 
And that's how you get yourself hurt because then them respirations go up because that heart rate's raising and you're just overthinking it. So the biggest challenge isn't just putting them through the ringer and, and through these hard things, but is is being able to tap into their psyche and making them understand things and how to process things and work through them before their imagination gets the best of them. That's right. Um, so a father doesn't want anything for their children except to be successful. And a father will do whatever's necessary to be able to teach their children how to harness situations and be successful. And that is the training officer's responsibility. Mm -hmm. So when, when we tell them, calm down, slow your roll, breathe, this and this and this, if we have not prepared them for that before it occurs, they're not going to get it. Right. So certain, you have to dedicate certain amount of time to explain <laughs> to them that not everybody is going to get this the way that the way that you're going to see me or anybody else as a fireman. Um, and even firemen that have been on the, the job for a while will regress back to that uh, anxiety riddled kind of response. Happened to me. It's exactly what happened to me. And so um, we have a saying in our cadre that um, the, the, the time to prepare for a storm is before a storm. Mm -hmm. Storms reveal foundations. So what is your foundation? And that's our job, man. Our job as a training officer is to develop that foundation, you know, and make sure that it's a solid foundation, not built on sand or anything that can collapse. You know, give them those little things. Look, if you're going to use your imagination, use it in the right way. Learn how to, okay, the schematic has changed, fine. Now you need to reground yourself and re, re, you need to reset, where am I? And it starts by using your sense of feeling and painting the picture mm -hmm. based off of things in the room, whether it's furniture, the tile floor, the type of walls that they are, what, what's in there? I mean, is it a toilet? Is it a dining room chair? Is it an open room? Where, where, where are you? Are there beds in there? There are things that you can reset your brain to and then go from there. And those are the, those are the foundational skills, you know, that, that you have to fall back on. So, uh, you know, foundation, 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 I agree. it's all built off. I agree. So, uh, you know, on that, the, the, this, this piece that, you know, uh, that we, we want to uh, touch on with the, is it sucks, man, you know, it happens, uh, in, in, in our thing, uh, I feel like obviously, you know, it's always easy to say um, <clears throat> leadership needs to do a better job. Um, and, um, you know, the, the, whatever. I, I feel, again, in my experience, one of the most influential people in the fire station in a fire department uh, is the training officer providing they care. And like you said, they weren't just stowed there for a, a light duty position or they couldn't hack it on a rig or whatever. Somebody that cares about the development of others. Um, and we run into these things where we deal with a lot of demons. So like you and I have talked offline before and, you know, it's like the average person goes through fit and, and the average person deals with demons, right? The average person. We're not the average person. You know, emergency services and and and, and the military we're, we're 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 unique animal, and um, so you gotta look at what we deal with in our profession, okay. And I don't even mean just the calls. That's the other misconception. Like, so we deal with the horrific things, 
But then we deal with uh, personality conflicts, professional setbacks, uh, regardless of how stoic somebody wants to appear. Uh, everyone by nature likes to be accepted and fit in and have a, 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 a purpose. So when you're ostracized within your fire department, um, that takes a toll on you mentally. Uh, then all the time away from your family, even if you're a volunteer, you know, I mean, you thanks. I, I know volunteers, you know, they're, they're, they're eating Thanksgiving dinner and a pager goes off and they're out. See ya. Um, so yeah, so they go through their wife uh, or their spouses and their children growing resentment for them. Their families growing resentment for them. Uh, they become ostracized by their families and their close friends. And all this stuff starts to pack, 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 pile, pile. And, you know, you're just like, you just kind of checked out. Like, you're just like, I don't even want to do any of this. You know, like, I, I feel like uh, I, I, I have no purpose or value in my personal life, in my professional life. And then in my professional life, you know, I got all this crap swimming around in my head. And, and then we just went to a call where some 15-year-old girl uh, is dead in the car. Is I'm done. You know what I mean? And that's, and that happens. So we need to do a better job correctly of um, inspiring these people to talk about it and making people feel like they can talk to you. If, if it, if it, you know, if it nothing, at least you, I always say, you know, Firefighters, we, you know, we speak each other's language. It's like when you're a, a new kid, like I remember, you know, I grew up in Jersey. So there was a lot you know, Jersey, New York are a melting pot. So there was a lot of kids that come from other, other countries. And it was funny because like, you know, they'd get there and they were very like, and then they, they'd see somebody that spoke the same language as them. And they're, you know, they're all of a sudden they got a buddy. Right. And, and you know, and, and in their countries, they probably wouldn't have even talked to each other, but here they have this commonality. And that's why I say like, Nobody understands us like us, yet we don't want to talk to each other about this stuff. And then we got some folks that are out there doing it for the wrong reason. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. Just you know how I personally feel about that. We got some folks that they use it for a buzzword, and it starts to bastardize the validity of it. So I just wanted to talk about it. I know it's something that you, you know, you, you, uh, you is near and dear to you. So if you want to elaborate on just why it's important and why we should train our folks on on something like that, I, you know, I'm all ears. So this, this conversation uh, comes up a lot. Um, I was, uh, how do you explain to somebody um, how stressful our job is? Because there are certain parameters. You got to be able to turn up, turn out out of the firehouse in X amount of time. You have to. Okay. Um, and then you're on scene time. And then when you get, when you get to the call, it, uh, it looks like fucking mass chaos, but it's actually organized chaos, you know? And so, um, but there is pressure on each and every person on that team to perform in their role, their capacity, whether it's support or in the lead end. Um, and, and I don't care what it is. I don't care if you're on the truck. I don't care if you're on the ambulance. I don't care if you're on the engine. I don't care if you're on the water wagon. <clears throat> there are responsibilities. Um, it's a responsibility of every driver to make sure that everything on that apparatus 
is operational. Everybody has a responsibility to check their own air packs. Um, everybody, the officer has a responsibility to double check everybody and make sure that they're they're squared away. And then you've got the responsibility of being able to perform. And then it is not just perform, you know, that just uh, the performance. When I say performance, it's it's um, you show up to work. Uh, you're fortunate if you get a bagel down your gullet before the co- the tones drop and you're out the door. Before you can clear that call, they're stacked, packed, and racked. It's going to be a busy morning. By the time you hit the firehouse again, you stop to grab a sandwich at a store because it's 1, one thirty in the afternoon. You wolf down a sandwich. Maybe you got an hour or half an hour of downtime, and boom, it starts again. The rush in the afternoon. And then if you're fortunate, you might get some dinner down. And hopefully it's hot. Mm. Typically it's more cold than it is hot by the time we get back. Right. And for the rest of the night, and there's no sleep. So we do those little things, right, that we were talking about performance. But you're doing it over a 24-hour period, and you're infusing a lack of sleep in it. On top of that, I think initially some of the things that you see shock you. The first time I pronounced somebody dead, uh, I couldn't sleep. I kept expecting them to wake up in the morgue and I totally blew the call. You know, I pronounced somebody that was alive dead, Um, just things like that. I think that's just part of the normal learning track. As you start to experience death and recognize it, you get more, uh, I wouldn't say comfortable, but more proficient at at doing it properly. But, you know, and then something switches and now it's, it's the way that the family is reacting while we're there, you know, listening to a mother uh, in a foreign language or in a language that you may understand, uh, bargaining with God, mm-hmm. please, no, make this, make this just a bad dream. Like they're having a fucking out of body experience. Make this a bad dream. I can't believe this is happening. No, I'm going to wake up any time now. And, and I think over a period of time, all those things, they start to fuck with you, man. Right. Um, you start to, you start to question things. Uh, I know I question my, my belief in God and, and um, you, you fall down these rabbit holes about like, you know, if God was really all that, why does he allow this to happen? Why do you allow that little girl to get raped by those men? Why did he allow that? You know, but I, I never give God the credit for when good things happen. I just uh, blame put it on him. him back. Yeah. It's a common and, thing and, anyway. Uh, I mean, everybody does it. You know, we don't. We don't, we don't, yeah, say, you know, I always say, that, you know, ma- imagine as leaders, they only, they're only mad at us for what we do bad if we did something screwy, but they don't look at all the great things that we've given to them. We do the same thing with God. You're, you know, you're a hundred percent right there. Yeah. And so now all this stuff builds and, um, I don't know, maybe you find a way to deal with it. You go and you go pound a couple of beers and everything's good. You know, uh, maybe you're single. And you start sleeping around and everything's good. Maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe you pour yourself into a second job. Um, you know, I, I don't know. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of ways that, that people uh, cope, right? Because they, they call that coping. Um, until it gets to the point that this container gets full and it starts bubbling to the top. And when it starts overflowing, you start questioning, what the hell is wrong with me? I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. You know, I'm out there in an honorable job. I'm doing God's work, right? I'm, I'm his warrior. I'm doing all that. Why is this happening? And what happens when that, as that container fills, 
that's when you can you look back on it. And you know what? It was maladaptive all along, but you didn't know because the container was empty. And so it was working until it stopped working. And so we don't, uh, you know, EAP, uh, the department that I used to work in was, uh, it, it was, uh, was a, was a great benefit. The, the sad part is that, um, there weren't a lot of people in there that understood what firemen go through, right. what cops go through. Right. I was just going to say that I, 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 yeah. it's a beautiful setup. I understand its existence. It's tough for us because there's, they don't, they don't talk our language. We didn't pick them. We, we didn't pick them under those considerations. So whose fault is it? Theirs. They went to school. They know right. you're going to send me to a family therapist with my shit. I start freaking talking. They start crying. I'm looking at my watch going, holy shit, when is this over with? And do I have to pay for this? Right. Because, but that's just, that's just, that's a learning curve, right? Who, whoever thought of it. And then there's some EAPs that are involved through HR. Now it becomes punitive. See, because mine, I could go to on my own volition and they can't say boo, but you go and HR is, is handling it. They report everything to your, your, even if you go, you know, on in on your own, they report everything to the job. They have somebody they have to report to. And so we, we give them this option. We say, well, we have this EAP. Well, yeah, great. But my job hangs in the balance right. if I go there and get it. Right. So you you're know, reluctant why, to go. Yeah. Remind me, why, why am I supposed to go there? <laughs> yeah. Really? I want to get the It's just going to stress me out more. <clears throat> right. Yeah. So now I have nowhere to turn to. Right. Right. Unless you come out of pocket. So that that's one aspect. The other aspect is, is that um, who, who in their right mind thinks that a therapist is going to make anything better or a psychologist or a psychiatrist. We're that I wasn't in our curriculum. You know, what was in my curriculum? Suck it up, suck it up. You know what? Grocery store down the streets hiring. If you can't handle it, that was it. You know, um, they need busboys at that restaurant. Maybe you can make it there. You can't make it here. Well, you could always be a plumber, you know, whatever, you know, and, and, um, that was the mentality. And, um, I, I, I think if we tracked those men through their retirement, you'd see the same damn results we're getting now. You know, I, I bet you'd see it, it. So the fire service did not know what they didn't know. Who the fuck knew, bro? Neuroscience off like 15 years ago and now they start showing these developments and changes in the mind you know and whatnot and now the problem that they're having is solutions because i got news for you throwing meds at somebody isn't a solution and and most of those meds cause a higher suicide ideation um so and you know what that tells me a it's either a payoff or b they just don't have any good solutions you know, so there are some good solutions out there. We'll talk about those later. But that that's what I, I think that's what causes that, that's what lays the foundation for a lot of this stuff. We've never really trained our people and told them, listen, it's OK to go get help. Yeah. And and it, it's going to be no cost to you because that's a cost of doing business as a fireman. Right. You If you're going to be in the fire service and you want to take care of your people and that's what a leader does. And this is a brotherhood and one family and all that stuff. Then, then you need to take care of your people. I would do the same thing for my children, you know? And so now you, 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 if you catch them in the beginning and explain all this to them and tell them, listen, there is no, 
you know, stigma is self-imposed. I didn't tell anybody about what I was going through because I was embarrassed. I, I wasn't embarrassed. I was ashamed. I was ashamed. I, I just couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't, uh, yeah. I, I would have rather been a statistic. I would have been on the back of a shirt with some other dumbass as a memorial than just come out and tell the truth. Right. And those are self-imposed. Nobody did that to me. That same screwed up thinking is what caused me to think like that. So explaining it like that to not just our recruits, but to anybody going through the fire academy and then having annual, listen, bro, do they have medics up there? Because it is unbelievable what a paramedic has to go through for training annually right. for strangers. Why don't we take that effort and do the same thing for our people? You know, mm -hmm. mental health. Or, early in, all you're it. saying you're suggesting even early in, just kind of like, okay, this is this is. It's got to be, yeah. Because if we just keep trying to take care of the people that are falling apart, we're never right. I I, I agree. I feel like this that's the problem is we've become reactive, which is which is fine. That yeah. we're, I mean, like at least we're not not doing it. But I I I have never heard that. And when you said it, that's why I said like I'm just want to be clear. Like you're saying, even early in. As you come in, Absolutely. let them know. And I love that. I, I totally agree because we're 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 I painting this other picture about all the shit that goes on in the job. Right. Why not tell them about this? You know? Yeah. Listen, um the 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 this is this what we're talking about, PTSD, that shit's undefeated. Same with alcoholism, same with substance abuse. That shit's undefeated. Mm -hmm. the, the best you're gonna do if you get it is manage. Right. Okay. And because I deal with it on a daily basis, you know it's just become part of life. You know, there are certain things I don't do certain things I enjoy doing and other things I'm kind of 50, 50 with, but for the most part, if, if I let myself get too stretched out, it all comes, it all starts to come up, you know, and I have to do things on a daily basis. I read spiritual literature until something resonates. I meditate on it. I pray. Um, and I, I got my phone, I've got alerts on my phone. Check this out. I have alerts on my phone. Everybody's got a calendar on their phone, right? And I don't care if you pray or not. I'm, this is my story, okay? Yeah. So on my phone, all those little gray areas, those are alerts, and it's to pray. That's, it's three times a day. That's cool. And uh, the, you know why? Because prayer reminds me I'm not in charge. Yeah. If I was in charge, I'd have already put a bullet in my head. Yeah. That's, uh, I, I, I get it. <clears throat> most of us do when, when we sit down and have these conversations. And for those that, that don't, it's just a, you know, it's like a, a thunderstorm coming. If you're in the swimming pool and you hear thunder, you should probably get out of the water. Right, right. If you ain't heard the thunder, you fit to feel the lightning soon, <laughs> you know? So you don't want to take those chances. Why? Right. Why? Um, so, I, I mean, that's, that's, you know, I, I think that that is that is why we have this outcome and this is why the training instructor, I don't care if you're, you know, a field training instructor or, or whatever you are, all of us have this responsibility to a certain extent, mm -hmm. right? Part bartender, you're part therapist, you're part fire, right. you know, and, that, and that's the way that it is, you know, and, and it, it is, uh, and that's just, Rick George's opinion. No, Fuck do I no, but you do know that's the thing. So I appreciate you know your 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 shot at humility there, but 
But that, listen, that's why it was. It's why I felt very connected to you when I first met you. That's why I wanted you on the show for this specific topic because you do know because you lived through certain hardships that made you look at things differently. Where uh, it's admirable because some dudes, some you know, some folks, some of our people, they don't they don't get to or they don't even open their eyes, you know. So, and I, I was I was that I was that jerk off early on in my career. I was. I'd jump on any opportunity to exploit your weakness, right. you know, and humiliate you, you know. And um, that wasn't really humility before. That was sarcasm. That's just another service I provide free of charge, you know. Something um, the fire service it, does and, really well. We're really good at sarcasm. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah exactly. Yeah. You know, but, uh, it, you know, the, change is not a bad thing. You know, the fire service changed when they, when they blended with EMS, yeah. you know. Uh, the fire service changed again with active shooter. You know, the fire service changed again with this COVID-19 thing. You know, thank God I was retired for that nonsense. Fuck. <laughs> right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to avoid that topic completely. <laughs> I guarantee we're on the same wavelength on it. <laughs> yeah, I lost a lot of, uh, I lost a lot of, con- so one thing I'm going to say, I lost a lot of confidence in our medical community and in, in our people that said that the mask is going to provide some form of protection right. when they fucking know it doesn't. Right. And there is no mm-hmm. documented proof that it does. As a matter of fact, it's the opposite way. It's a particulate mask. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, it doesn't filter microns. You know what filters microns? Maybe positive pressure system. Yeah. You're pushing it away from you. You know, but that's all I'm talking yeah. about. <laughs> Like Forrest Gump. That's all. Right. That's all I have to say about that. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I, hold on. Let me give out your email for hate yeah. mail. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, Send all hate mail. I usually say I'm like, listen, I'm like the deli bro. I'm like, pick a number, bro. That's I tell the people. I'm like, you, you, you're not, you're not next in line. There's a number of people in front of you. <clears throat> um. So I mean, you covered some of it, but I just, uh, I wanted to just ask you know, it's a, um. A while back, you had, uh, you know, written an article, uh, and it was called. It was titled um, for fire engineering. It was called uh, "Do You Know the Monster Within?" and and uh, you know, I guess w- what I want to know is just like you know, tell the audience why you decided to be more open about this type of topic because uh, it's 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 perceived as a taboo topic, especially in our thing, you know. So, what made you write that article? What made you be a little more open and put yourself out there for something like this? You know, cause some dudes in private, we could have a conversation with them and they, and you know, and they get it, but they don't want to put themselves out there and talk about it yet. You know? Uh, it's a good question. I was thinking about this and, um, I could point to a number of things. I think that, uh, I think when you hit bottom, and uh, so I, my, my best friend was was uh, murdered in a home invasion, which, by the way, is something that we used to do when we were younger. Mm-hmm. I mean, for to drug dealers, mm-hmm. that's we'd steal their drugs and their money. And who are you going to call? Right. You know, and uh, and he was murdered in a home invasion for five thousand dollars and half a kilo. And um, I had to tell his dad, me and my my best friend went over and, and told his dad that we had to clean his apartment and empty it out. And uh, his dad, you know, he just lost his son. He couldn't understand what was so important about cleaning it out. So 
we ran at a warehouse and emptied it out because we knew that the minute word got out that Joe was dead, people were going to break in and start stealing his stuff. The very next night after we had cleaned all that out, there was a break in. Right. There was nothing to take, right. but there was a break. So that left me thinking like, what the hell are you doing? You know, and I, but I, I couldn't, I had no solution um, because the drugs and alcohol were working. Mm-hmm. Well, they, at that point they, they had stopped working and, and just left with doing more and which just made things worse. And um, I, 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 one of the hardest conversations I ever had was with my dad and telling him that I needed help. And uh, he found me a place to go and they started talking all this weird language in there and, you know, start talking about faith, hope, and joy, telling me I didn't know what it was, you know? And I was like, I know exactly what they are. Those are women's names, you know? And, and uh, I, d- I didn't know the first thing about any, anything. We use words, and that, that's what shocked me, is I use these words all the time. I don't even know what the hell they mean, you know? And, and um, so I got, I got humiliated very, very quick, and fear was my main motivator. And so as a result of that, you end up going to meetings and talking and, and you open up with men that you trust and stuff. And so I got comfortable opening up with people. Um, and uh, John Spira uh, interviewed me for a Fit to Fight Fire podcast. And I just let it hang, bro. He's a good dude. Yeah, he's a great guy. He's he's one of the guys I talked to about faith. You know, him and Jeremy Sanders and, and Mark Mikowski is another one he's with. Uh, well, uh, um you know, there, there's there's a group of men that I speak to about that, you know, and um, uh, most of us uh, have had our cage rattled. We've had our snow, glo- our snow globe, you know, shaken up. And um, so finding like minded men. But that that podcast, I just let it rip and uh, I didn't care. <laughs> what are you going to do? Fire me? Come on, man. Really? And and uh, because it, and uh, I had a relatively good rep after I got off. After I got off the ambulance, after I got off rescue and got onto an engine, my life changed. Um, now I'm taking care of the guys that take care of strangers. I'm not taking care of strangers anymore. I'm taking care of our boys, you know, and and that changed everything. And um, and so I, I I let it rip. And John sends me a text. He goes, "Hey man, have you checked out the podcast?" I said, "No, I haven't, bro. Is it okay?" As you get a lot of hate mail, he goes, "Bro, it's blowing up." I was like, "What?" And I'm getting phone calls. And it's about a week or two later, I start getting phone calls. And um, I had been doing work with men for a long time. Um, and when I started doing this class, um, which was not designed as a class, this the stuff that I did to get whole again so that I could come back to work and wear a mask, finish my last 10 years, you know, and I, I did. I was able to finish relatively strong. And um it, 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 uh, it just opened a door and, um, you know, I have a saying that I will plagiarize that I got from somebody else and I don't know where it comes from, but, um, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies those he calls and, uh, doors started opening. I mean, I ended up working at a, a rehab that had a program for uniform personnel and I started doing groups on a regular basis for uh, our uniform personnel, anybody that's taken an oath, I don't care if you're corrections or law enforcement, military, fire, it didn't matter, done treasury, Quantico, all of them. And um, we're all pretty much wired the same. 
and um, and everybody is pretty much. Uh, it's interesting to watch the new guys come in. They're quiet. They just sit there and listen. They can't believe the shit they're hearing. You got 15, 20 guys and girls in a room, and they're just being freaking honest. I mean, just being brave. And uh, these people look on their faces like, holy shit. And most of them have never had conversations like that. And so learning how to have a real conversation like when you and I talked, you know, um, is is really important. But I, I think the most important part is finding somebody that you can trust and and share with openly and not fear being judged. You know, I've been in it. I've been in it for about four weeks now. And uh, I just did not like the person I've been for about a month. And I uh, had a lot of traveling to do. And I think that added to it with different conferences and stuff. And uh, I called a man that I respect a great deal. His name is Dennis. And, uh, and I spoke to him and I told him, I said, man, I am, I need to talk, bro. I, you know, I have not been treating my wife who I love dearly, you know, uh, hi, Joe, that's her name. And, uh, and, and I told him, I, I haven't even told her about this yet. So hopefully I'll get home and tell her before the show airs about <laughs> uh, what was going on. You know? And, um, and we just, uh, we just talked for a while and he gave me some, uh, some really sage advice. And, um, it was, uh, I, I just love, I thank God every day that I have men like that in my life. And I'm surrounded by men like that because when I'm alone, I consistently make bad decisions, you know, and when I keep quiet and I'm not saying shit and I'm in my own head, I'm in a bad neighborhood and I'm making bad decisions. And it just does not. That is why I say, I know Rick George and he doesn't impress me. I'm just like everybody else out there struggling, you know, but, but we fight, we fight. That's what we do. Right. We fight. You know, and I, so it's good to use that word fight, you know, because that's the thing for the for the listener. It, you know, like you were saying about, and I'm, I'm not trying to allude that prayer is exhausting. Where I'm going with this is, you know, like you have these routines to uh, to help you get through things throughout the day, um, and then you know, and then the same thing. Like if you don't have people that you trust, and this was an important that's an important thing. Something like this, somebody's got a they got to be somebody that you can trust to open up to and talk to that. <clears throat> you just know this person, even if they don't, they, even if they're not going through it, they'll go through it with you in the emotional aspect of it. Um, but it's exhausting. There you're riding, you're riding, die, right. There you're riding, die. Ride. Yeah. But all that stuff, it's, it's exhausting. It's a lot. And like you said, you know, that those, that was key word is, is it, it's, it, you know, we're constantly fighting, you know, cause we are, you know, those of us that have at least admit or have taken the, 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 the leap to, to admit that we, we have whatever kind of struggle every day is a constant exhausting battle of trying to, uh, you know, change your mind and look at something else. That's a, that's so the exhaustion, which is why I pray. How do you feed your soul? Because if you are not finding some way to do that, you're, you're, you're going to give up. Yeah. The fight, the fight. So everybody wants to take a class on mental toughness. Everybody wants to be mentally. Mental toughness is not how many nails can you take through your hands and your feet. That is not mental toughness. Mental toughness is how can I reset myself to be able to respond appropriately? And there are tools for that. There's meditation. There are breathing techniques. There's ways to hack your mind. There's ways to recognize 
that when something occurs and triggers you emotionally, you've just been hacked. That means that your response is not going to be, is probably not going to be your A game. Okay. I've never had an emotional response that was very good unless it was a, a, a passionate plea for somebody to not jump off a building or in front of a train. Right. Okay. But it, it, it is, it is one of those things that you have to understand that your mindset is everything. So when I pray, it's a way to humble myself, reset myself. It's an opportunity for me to breathe and physiologically bring myself back down and pray to my God, you know, to replenish me, to fill me with the Holy Spirit and let me do, let me just get through this day without killing somebody oh, yeah. and killing myself, yeah. you know, and, and it, those are small aspirations. The greater aspirations is to understand and be kind. You know, those are even more difficult. Yeah, they're very you know? difficult. Uh, amen. I agree with that. That's a, that's the hardest part is, is to try to reserve yourself to be kind when you know you're justified to be nasty. And I love being nasty. Yeah, it's easy. It just, it just it comes like that, you know. It, it is absolutely ridiculous how quickly I will default to something like that as opposed to being understanding and kind and, and all that other stuff. Yeah. And I'm not saying you don't have boundaries. I mean, there's lines. We all have lines. We all have a standard that we live by. And if you don't and you're meeting your standard every day, your standards are too low. Mm -hmm. You know, you need to up your game, mm -hmm. you know, because if you're not being challenged every day, you ain't growing. If you ain't growing, you either grow or go, man. You know, oh, and, yeah. and the ending is, is not always, uh, is not always pretty, you know, um, especially with the track record that we have in the fire service, non-reporting. And we have three times more suicides than we have line yeah, of duty right. deaths. Right. Agreed. We're not, we're not, we're not getting the message out and we're not doing the proper work. We're not, we're not doing, we're not something we're missing. It. We're missing it. And I think I know what it is. And that's why we created this class with this cadre. That's why we wrote the book. Mm -hmm. That's, that's like, why I do, do. Let's talk talk about the book. As you, you said that, you know, uh, tell us about the book. What is it called? What's it about? Where can people find it? It's called Developing Firefighter Resiliency. It's by uh, it's published by Fire Engineering. You can get it on Amazon. You can you know probably pick it up at a used bookstore cheap. It's uh, it's the cure for insomnia. And, uh, you know, we left a, a couple of empty pages behind each chapter. We have at the end of each chapter, all the research data is, is printed behind each chapter. And then there's a blank page. And that's so you can write notes and whatnot. And there was supposed to be a crayon attached to each book, but Bobby Holt overrode that. He said, no, all the truckies are going to eat the crayons. We're going to have to put a choking hazard on it. Liability, forget it, you know. And so we, we, didn't, uh, we didn't put that in there. But the book was... Uh, is based off of, um, so I go, I go through, I, I, uh, I went through a divorce. It was, um, it, it left me, uh, thinking I couldn't sleep. I couldn't, I couldn't think right. My emotions were, I mean, I'd go from laughter to just, I would start crying. It was, uh, I, I, I felt like I was crazy. Uh, I got diagnosed with PTSD. It wasn't the divorce. It was, that was just the last straw. Right. And, and um, you know, that was my foundation and my foundation was improperly located. That's why I'm so big on faith. When your faith is your foundation, you always have a chance. 
you know, if you rely on other people, they're going to let you down. We're humans, man. We, we always let people down. We, we're, we're fallible. We make those mistakes. So um, I, I start reaching out to these military and sports psychologists to come up with some drills. I start training and doing them along with the breathing and then the meditation and all this. Um, there's, uh, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm doing stuff that, you know, they're telling me special forces does this. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking they're placating me. They do. They do the stuff we're talking about. They meditate. They go and, and they go in the, uh, one of those chambers where, where you lay down and you're in water mm -hmm. and uh, isolation. They do this immersion and isolation training. Um, they, they, uh, they go to a great deal great lengths to teach and talk about breathing. Um, anybody in this, well, most people in the special forces community are extremely intelligent. They know they got, there's a lot going on under the hood there. And so I start doing these things and it works. <laughs> Go figure that out. Right. Um, it works. The fact that I'm talking to these men and, and uh, I'm a smart guy, but I ain't got no cred like that, you know? <laughs> And, and God opens these doors. I walk through them and I'm getting better. Other guys are coming to our firehouse. They want to train or we're making schedules. I'm training guys. I'm doing stuff. The same thing I'm doing. They just want to, they think it's cool. I'm like, all right, let's go. Mm. And uh, turns into a class. It came, uh, I had a, I had a captain. His name was, uh, he's a, he retired as chief. His name's Curtis Rice. He told me this is a big, good class. I said, you think so? He goes, oh, yeah. And and so I was like, all right, we'll give it a shot. And we did. And the first classes were called the the Monster Within. And um, the reason what we were doing was practicing these things and trying to dial it in. And it has since evolved into this immersion training that we do now. But after we started doing that and got good at it, I knew that the book was the next natural step. And I knew that the fire service would not open it and read it like Jada's book. You read Jada's book and, and we couldn't have written that. If we wrote that, it would have been on the shelf forever. And so we did it from the training perspective because who doesn't want to know about training? Any fireman, they might even read it and go, what the, yeah, what is yeah. this crap? Well, it's the exact same techniques and, and they translate both for your mental hygiene and for your performance. It, it's, they're, they're both the same. I mean, think about the fire service, everything we just said about the fire service. Do you know how much of that is occurs in the six inches of real estate between your ears? The majority of it, you know, you're going to be as successful or as poor on the job as it's determined before the call even drops, right. you know? And so you just stay after it and stay after it. The biggest I think the biggest failure is comparing yourself to others. You know, it, it's very simple. Screw them. Yeah. It's not their job. Stay in your lane. Yeah. Just keep out, you know? And so that, and we wrote the book and um, Mike Galliano gave us some great, uh, he gave us some great advice. He, uh, he, he, he wrote that book. Uh, him and the, uh, was it the Seattle five wrote? Uh, oh my God, he's going to kill me. I forgot the name. Help me. Oh. Uh, the rule of air management. Yep, air management. I was going to say air management, but that was Rome. yeah the rule of air management. Yep. Rome, Rome, the rule of air management. And um, he gave us some advice. He goes, you have no idea how difficult it is to write a book with three different authors. 
And so we got three authors, right? I got Bob Carpenter, who is like the wordsmith. He'll, he's the guy that will correct you when you use the word there inappropriately in a sentence. It's there, there. Right, and there. right, right. Okay. And, and there's, there's three of it. The English language is like. No, it's jacked uh, anyways, up, I know. And then we've got me, a street guy, right? <laughs> and then you got Bob, and then you've got Dave Gillespie, who's a, a Canadian. And like, as we're writing the book, and I'm reading it, I'm going, holy shit, this sounds like somebody is having, you know, like we got Tourette's or or we're having some kind of weird, because it reads completely, every chapter is, is and and so we had to kind of blend all that. And um, that was a, that was a four year process um, to do that. It was not an easy book because there was a lot of research that went into that. And um, I'm one of those guys that, uh, that, does not like using information loosely. It's got to be spot on. It's got to be vetted, you know, whether it's, but anyways, and um, that, that's how the book came about. And um, it, we didn't, you know, listen, I'm going to tell you right now, you ain't gonna make no money selling books. That's not why we wrote it. Um, if I make uh, $200 a year on that book, it's a, it's a good yeah. year, you know, and, and they're selling books. They're selling a lot of books, but they do all the work they being fire engineering, mm-hmm. right? So um, regardless, um, that book actually started getting some traction. And I know uh, there's departments that use it for their promotional. Um, I know that Las Vegas Fire Department was on their captain's promotional and uh, other promotionals. But the goal was to get the state of Florida to utilize it um, in training uh, firefighters. You know, when they're going through the fire academy in the state of Florida, you have to go to a, a state fire academy, state certified fire academy to get your fire certification. And then you could start applying for jobs. And when you get hired, they train you uh, in their academy to their SOGs, SOPs, whatever. But it's the baseline. Right. And uh, I, I, I always wanted the state of Florida because I knew the value in it. Right. And um, yeah, that's not just we wrote the book. The, the rest of it's out of my hands. I can't. Uh, you know, you can't, I don't, I don't, I did my part, man, you know, and, and uh, that's where, that's all I'm going to say. About mm, that. I get it. I get it. Uh, so um, for, for the listener, you know, you, you have a lot of things that you, you, you have expertise in, you have your hands in, and I know you travel and you, and you teach So what are some of the programs that you offer? Um, and then also, uh, you know, uh, what do you got coming up at FDIC in, uh, in April? So um, at FDIC, let's start with that because it's uh, this is their show. And I, hi. <laughs> and, uh, so I am uh, I'm doing a 145. I, I would do workshops. Um, and I was I put in for both. But um, when when uh, I got the call. Um, they elected to give me a 145 instead of the workshop. And I'm actually glad that they did. I don't mind doing the workshop, but the workshop is, is so there's a lot, you know, and it's expensive. Okay. But the 145, you can reach more ears. So I, I got my partner inspired me to do a class. Uh, I think the title got changed. It's called the warrior's breath. Okay. And it's all about breathing exercises. And I'm hoping to have air packs in there. And we're going to show some of the techniques that we utilize and teach our guys in the immersion training. Um, we'll have heart monitors on there. So we'll have other guys wearing heart monitors and doing stuff. We'll practice different breathing techniques. 
we'll do some meditation, um, all of these things that we teach. And it's, and that's it. That's all we're going to do. Those three things. So we're going to spend a lot of time in that and talking about the physiology and why the exercise works. We're going to show statistics as to why they work. I'll show a couple of videos of there's healing, breathing, there's all kinds of different breathing. Right. Mm. And, um, it is a, uh, it is a hack. It is, it is a mind hack. Uh, breathing is a way to be able to take over your autonomic nervous system, right? And, and breathe and be able to reset yourself. Now, the way that that reset occurs is at a neurological level, right? It occurs in your brain. So through meditation and through breathing, you actually increase your gray matter. And anybody that knows anything about human beings' brains um, is as we get older, the gray matter shrinks. It gets smaller, you know? And so the way to continue to develop them and create neurogenesis, which is the, the creation of neurons in your brain, is through meditation and through breathing because the release that you're giving yourself neurologically is so profound and so <clears throat> incredibly intricate that it affects everything. And, and that is the money shot. And so that's what the class is going to be on. It ain't going to be nothing sexy, yeah. right? I mean, that's actually a really maybe. cool topic, though. So it is sexy because that, that's that's a good topic. It's good stuff for people to know. Yeah, it is. Um, and, and that's the kind of conversation that we'll have, you know, and it, it's the same stuff that's utilized on your day off as it is on a fire. You know, if you're getting jacked up and you know and whatnot, um, so, so the immersion training that we do is 24 hours straight, and um, it is a. Uh, it starts off. We we split the class into three: uh, group one, group two, and group three. And so, of those three groups, there is your high speed guys, and then there is the middle group, which is your average, and then there's the lower group, which are firemen that are out of shape or older, or like like guys like me, right? Because there's no one of the things that screwed me up was. I couldn't do the job the way that I used to and the way I was accustomed mm. to. And I thought there was something wrong with me. Well, there was. I was old as shit. And so your body doesn't freaking work the way it did when you were younger. I mean, it's just, but who would have thought something that simple could have explained mm -hmm. it? And so the purpose for, for dividing them like that is because we designate them. We have a way of identifying them. And we designate them one, two, or three. And so I know how hard I can push. I'll ride a number one like Zorro. But a number three, I can't push the way I'm pushing a number one. It's not, it's not realistic. It's not fair. The, the, it's not a task-oriented. It's a goal-oriented class. And so the goal is completely different because the fire service is task-oriented. The, these goals are different. They're internal as opposed to external. We use external stimulus to be able to work on the internal stuff. So then from there, we divide them into four companies. We got to max the class out at 20. That's our sweet spot. 20 is our sweet spot. We got Alpha, Bravo, Charlie, Delta companies. And so they're combined with all ones and one, all, you know, we try to split them up properly. And so, um, and, and then the class starts and it's all exercise for like 10 hours. So you do a class, we, we call it a breakout session. We'll do a breakout session for 45 minutes to an hour, then we go outside, we do hands-on for about an hour. We come back in, or 45 minutes, and then we go back in, and we do the same thing. And it works like that all day long. It, the, the whole 24 hours is actually like that. And at the end of every exercise cycle, we do a PIA. And this is where the instructors are so important. So I love my cadre. My cadre is, my cadre is the shit, bro. I mean, these guys are, you know, 
some of them are veterans, but they're all like these big, strong, burly guys. And we do an intro. And in the intro, we talk and we talk about what we've been through and what got us broke. And it just wipes the, cl- the classes like, what the fuck? What am I involved in here? And they're, they're listening because who doesn't like a good story like that, you know? And so and then we break them up and they do the same thing within their own companies. We've got four groups doing that. And we want that intimacy in the group and with the instructors. If we expect you to be vulnerable with us, we have to be vulnerable with you, right? Get to know about us. Now we're going to get to know you, you know? And so when the time comes that after dinner, we start doing evolutions and in the evolutions, um, there is a lot of the repetitive stuff and it's designed like that because it's like, God, I don't know if I can do this again. Oh, really? Why not? What did you come here for? What did you just tell yourself Mm. to tell you? Because the body gets tired, the mind wants to tell. Right. The mind gets, you know, the the, the mind will quit before the body. Sure, does. sure, absolutely. You'll talk and yourself out of something before you're even actually physically out of it. Yeah, <clears throat> like that, like that. We see it all the time, and so that's the class. And then we do a lot of yoga in there. We work with yoga for first responders. That's cool. Which is uh, Air Libya. Um, great people. Uh, we're both. We're both like. Where their yoga for first responders and tactical resiliency training cut from the same cloth. You know, we come at it from two different directions, but we meet in the middle, and and it it, it all is the same stuff. You know, and uh, Eric Bren Eric Brennan Brenneman and Olivia Mead. Uh, we call Eric the Thin Viking. Um, he's got this big old beard. You know, and uh, he's not quite so thin anymore. He's been putting weight on, but. Before he had the beard, he looked like he could be the front man mm. for a boy band. <laughs> so when he grew the beard over COVID, we were like, you're never shaving that off, right. bro. You are in Viking from now on. It, it adds cred to his position because he's, he's a very strong um, personality when it comes to training that. So we train body position and body mechanics and breath work and, uh, and, and, and the mindset mm. and incorporate the full 24 hours. And then um, in the end, we... Uh, we cook breakfast for everybody or have it delivered and we sit down and have a huge PIA, but there's a PIA or a, a decompression session, but the PIA goes on after every, every exercise and every evolution. And in that PIA, we try to get the students to tell us about the lessons that we implemented in this and what were we doing and what did you call that and this and that, because that's where the retention is. And so over repeated, right? Sure. Because it's how we sure. are repetition. If you know anything about, so in our book, Bob Carpenter goes over the laws of adult learning and it's uh premacy is the first one, right? And, and premacy readiness is the first one. That's the one where we give you all the tools to be prepared to do your job. And then the next one that follows is, is premacy and premacy is the first lesson. The first lesson is the most important. It's always the most important, right? So as a training officer, this is important for you because the first lesson begins to develop the neural pathway in the brain that develops into the default. So it has to be done properly and correctly, even if it takes time. Okay. And then from there, it's repetition. Mm-hmm. And then repetition, we go into intensity. And as you get into intensity is when you start to encroach on mastery. And then the last rule of adult learning is re- is recency. When is the last time that you did this? Because you could be great at, you know, forcing doors, but when's the last time you forced a right. door? You know? How recent are you in, in the training right. and all that? So yeah, repetition is the key to success. I say that all the time, you know, because, yeah, because you, you, I mean, you gotta, you gotta keep, you know, the brain is like a file cabinet. You can only retain so much 
So you have to have the repetition training so you could bring that file back to the front again. So it's like, oh, yeah, I remember how to do that. So I'm, I stay proficient. <clears throat> yeah, I agree with that. So that's correct. Until you get to be my age, you ain't going to remember. <laughs> you know how you start, start writing notes. Stuff, right, right. You know. That's all right. I do the same shit, man. <laughs> I have forgotten so much stuff, man. It's not even funny. <laughs> I'll sit in lectures and I'll listen to the instructor and I'll go, oh yeah, I remember that. You know, I, I, I don't, you know, but it's all right. I, you know what, you know how I'm okay with that? I got to do that. I already got to do that. I don't have to do that anymore. I got yeah. to do that. There's one more thing that I want to address. A lot of us confuse our purpose with our career. Your career is not your purpose. It is your career. It's different than a job. A job is what you have until you find your career, okay? Your career is something that you you build your life on, right? You start to go, you have benefits, you have a, a, a retirement, you start looking toward, you have the stability, okay? And a lot of guys, when they leave the fire service, they think like their career or their pro, their their purpose has been taken from them. But it, it, you've always had your purpose. It's just, it's never been described as service. Your purpose is service. Everything we do on this planet is about service. Right. Raising kids. You know, I don't care if you work in a grocery store. Service. Fire service. You know, police service. Military service. It's service-oriented. Servant leadership. Mm -hmm. You know, the direction changes. So I don't fight fire anymore. I don't go to the firehouse anymore. You know, I go to a rehab and work with a lot of uniformed personnel that, that are trying to find their way back. I do classes to help younger firemen become older firemen and retire healthy. You know, I, I try to impact the quality of people's lives through that type of training, as do everybody in this cadre. Mm. They all have the same passion. You know, so I just wanted to address that because it's a big misconception. Right. No, no, no. I, I, I needed to hear that. I like that. Um, so the last question is always the one that stumps everybody. And that's why I ask it to everybody. Um, so it, to me, I just, I, I'm not trying to give you an answer. I'm just giving the background. So you understand, <clears throat> you know, I was once told, you know, somebody else writes your legacy for you. And, and, and though that's correct, uh, I also, uh, I use it in, in this sense. So as a training officer, everything's done through objectives, right? Everything that we do when we're trying to teach people, we have objectives, so kind of in line with what you just said about your purpose, right? Uh, each one of us has to have an internal legacy that's like an objective of what it is that we're doing both in our lives and, and in our professions. So I ask you to share with us, you know, what, what do you want to be remembered for? What type of legacy would you want to leave behind? I think everybody's legacy is the way that you lead your life. I think that if it inspires others to change the way that they've, the way that they've altered their lives for the better, I think it's a great legacy. I don't think that my legacy is going to be a building or anything like that. I think all those things are, uh, all of those things are, they got a shelf life, you know, but helping people in their life, um, I think my legacy is the joy that I have in my life, knowing that I've helped mm -hmm. others. 
I don't think it's something, you know, when I'm gone, man, don't sweat me, baby. I'm going to be in a better place. I'm good. I'll be smoking all kinds of cigars. With <laughs> all yeah, my good friends. for you. <laughs> I will see my loved ones. It will be a joyous occasion. Do not shed a tear for me. They were, uh, you know, there's a, there's a, I used to say, yeah, when, when, when I die, my legacy will be a, a big old ball of hashish, right? You take my ashes and mix it all in there. Everybody gets a pipe and you blow my ass up. To heaven, you know? <laughs> now it's not like that. Now, now it's more about, um, you know, funerals are, 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 are for the living. Um, ain't, ain't for the dead. I mean, we can, we can commemorate people's lives in different ways, but I don't, I don't let my ego get in the way of, thinking about what's your legacy. I don't, I really, I don't even think about that mm-hmm. because it doesn't interest me. It doesn't, if I have been a good father, my children are squared away and they're happy, they're he- they're healthy, they're at peace with themselves and with the world around them, my job's complete, right. bro. Same with firemen, you know? I mean, same with anybody that I come in contact with. I don't, uh, I have no aspirations of leaving anything. Oh, Rick George, this and that. Fuck that noise. Get on with your life, man. You know, um, I just don't, uh, I don't see it like that. I don't think it's a bad thing. I don't judge I don't, anybody. I don't think for it's that. a bad thing either. I love that you're saying all this. I just, uh, I don't, I just don't think of myself like that from, you know, what's your legacy kind of thing. Uh, you know, not a, you know, I, I want my life to know. I want my wife. I want Joanne to know. I want my wife to know that she's got this jerk who is working his butt off to try to treat her like the queen that she deserves to be treated as. I want my children, my stepchildren, all of them, the grandchildren, everybody to know that, that I love them and, and I will do anything within my power to help them. You know, I, I want them to know that they can always come to me, that, that I, I want to be the one that they feel comfortable coming to, you know, and, and it's been a lot of hard work to get to that. But that's that that's what I want in this life right here, right now. You know, after that, I guess legacy would be that that they learn those things and do that for their children. You know, I guess maybe maybe that would be my legacy. I never really considered the word legacy in with that just a part of you know the bible talks about the sins of the father and neuroscience calls it epigenetics it's handed down generationally and it's these uh these responses that we have right um and some of them are uh, they're, they're just they're actually predispositions and some of them can be very good and some can be very bad and we all have them and so learning how to overcome them takes away that generational sin. It, 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 it unlocks the epigenetics and resets the, the proteins that are attached to the histones that these, these predispositions are attached to. And it, and it shuts them down, allows the others to come up. So now they have a broader choice other than substance abuse, violence, or, you know, womanizing or, or, or um, any of those, you know, macho, whatever kind of misconceptions you may have going on, you know, um, and it, and it, when you start to study, so I'm clearly I'm a man of faith, but when you start to look at neuroscience and it's saying the same thing that the Bible does, I can't help but laugh. 
right? It's like UL and and NIOSH coming together and going, um, uh, you know, oh, by the way, flow pads, and they're proving the shit that firemen have been doing for years, right? right? And 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 ventilation and all that, and they're proving it, and they maybe they even make some adjustments and improvements, you know, but it, it is um, that's kind of the way I look at it. So legacy, yeah, legacy is a type of furniture, an old style building. That's what legacy is. Awesome, uh, you uh, you nailed it, man. That's uh, <clears throat> that's why I asked that question, you know, because I want people to understand, like. <laughs> It's not about an ego thing. It's it's really not, and and and, um, and it also just it, it 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 shows the humanity. You know, I'm all about uh, humanity. I always say, you know, in order to be uh, in order to be successful in our thing, you know, when you try to work with people and and uh, and all that, you have to have that humanistic thing, and and to just see the vulnerability in somebody answering that question that is not a narcissist or does not have an ego is why it, it, it proves the value and why I keep that question in every one of these interviews, just to see how you answered it, how you dis- explain things, you know, it, it becomes very raw, it becomes very real. And, and it's important for, for people to understand that because in our thing, it's so easy to get arrogant and to create these, uh, these fictitious, uh, monumental things that are in your brain that, you know, like you said, after you're gone, it doesn't matter. You know, uh, I just, I wanted to say, um, it's a dude that plays his job, John Wick, um, Keanu Reeves. So Keanu Reeves was, uh, it'd be an interview one time and somebody said, what do you think happens uh, when you die? You know, where you think you, you, you know, you go. Cause he's, he's, he's not a very religious person, but it didn't matter because the answer that he gave is perfect. He said, uh, he stopped. You could see it floored him. And he said, I, I think that the people that loved us the most are going to miss us. And I was like, yeah, man, like that's kind of after it's all said and done, that's the only thing that I want is just the people that I loved and that loved me that they're just going to miss that. They can't have a conversation with me in life, but I'll see them again. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I get it. You know, I, I used to have conversations with my dad every morning when he died. Um, actually he got dementia and, uh, couldn't speak. And, um, I I was like, damn, you know, I, I miss that. I miss that about my old man. We butted most of my, like my growing up, you know, I was that kid that made him worry and lose sleep over, you know, and, and, uh, this is a good man. I come from a great family. We're very, very close. It's not like I came from some busted up, you know, so there's no explanation why I grew up the way that I grew up. I just, it is what it is, man. Maybe I needed to grow up like that in order to get to here. Mm-hmm. Maybe I needed those lessons in order to be able to speak with conviction in my voice on the integrity of what I've experienced. You know, maybe that was that was part of the plan. Then I don't know, man. But you know, I, I do miss uh, I do miss talking to my dad. Yeah. You know, but I don't. You know, you know, it's a beautiful thing, man. I miss somebody like yeah. that, you know, yeah. I'm up at, my, uh, I'm up at our little farm up here. My wife's at home. I miss her, you know, woman, crazy, crazy as shit, uh, crazy that, you know, listen, our opposite, our spouses, whether you're a man or woman or crazy, mm-hmm. it's about finding somebody with a level of insanity that is acceptable to you. Right. 
because we all know, you know, and she has a level of insanity that I can manage most of the time. You know? <laughs> I know this feeling. Don't worry. Woman is just, you know, I, I love it. I, I really do. You know, when we're on, we're mm -hmm. on. When we're off, we're, we are mm -hmm. off, you know. But everybody goes through it, man. Everybody gets her turn in the barrel, bro. Right. I got a question for yeah. you. Are you Italian? <laughs> so I'm Irish. Uh, I, I have a, a kind of an Italian side on my mother's side. Yeah, sure. Because you keep saying our thing, and I was going to say, it's okay to say Cosa <laughs> It's a Jersey thing, you know, that's it. But yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, on my mother's side, there's there's that 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 type of uh, uh, people, you know, uh, but 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 I am. I'm, I always say I'm Irish. My last name's Irish. I clearly have Irish skin. My father's Irish. So it's just always been easier for me to just describe things that way. All right. But that's funny. I'm going to put you on. I'm going to put you on the spot. For oh, a boy. All right. Take a deep breath. Relax. You have a great fucking story. Ah, oh, thank you. And one of these days, I hope you, you let other people in on it. Yeah. It, uh, I mean, it's very, very impactful. I appreciate it. Great that. story. Let, let, let that guide your life, brother. I appreciate and it. And thank you for that. Yeah, thank you for, uh, for being somebody that I could share that with. You know, I just knew I could, so I appreciate that. My I appreciate that. I, I will. Uh, I just, uh, we got a, um, yeah. I, I fucked you up, bro. You. <laughs> this is not what I'm, I'm the host. You know what I mean? I didn't, I didn't do that for that reason. <laughs> I, I was being, you know. No, but. no, man. There's a lot that you're saying that just getting me going. I, I'll, I'll, I'll wrap up my end with, with just simply this. Um, uh, I, I, um, so a couple things. So one day I, I, I promise uh, that, that if, when the time is right, I, I will. And I appreciate that. And, and then a uh, funny thing is, is uh, like a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, um, you said about you missed conversations with your dad. So uh, I love, I love my parents, man. I mean, my, my, I'm, I'm blessed. I have them right now. Um, you know, they're, they're baby boomers. They're, they're, they're born in the forties. Um, they, uh, I had them on the show. Um, I really? had them on this show, yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't a video recorded. Yeah, I will. It wasn't a video recorded yeah. one, but it's an audio recorded one. But so as of recently, you know, uh, they're not in the best of health. So so prayers, you know, that that, that things are, are 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 comfortable for them. But my father's starting to get a little bit of the the early stages of what you were just talking about that you, you know your old man suffered with, and my, and my mother is um she has a, a congestive heart failure, so it's it's tough. So um, that emotional aspect of it is that, you know, I enjoy having those conversations with my parents and I'm glad that fire engineering gave me this opportunity that I, I, I locked that forever. I have that. I mean, it's, you know, I recorded it when they were both physically and mentally able to give me the best of them. And it is an awesome interview and I'm, and I have it forever now. And I'm glad that I have that. You know? don't, don't dwell in the way that people die. Ain't nobody gets out of here alive. Dwell in in knowing that you have grown up to be something that they can be very, very proud mm. of. Yeah. Don't dwell in that. Nah. That, that it takes away from all the work, bro. It takes away from, you know, all the good times and everything. Don't don't do that. That that's not healthy. It's not good. It's not the way they, they don't want that. No. no, you're right. 
you wouldn't want that for your kids, you know. Oh, you're right, man. All right. Well, listen, I I appreciate you doing the show. I appreciate you making me vulnerable. My pleasure, bro. <laughs> appreciate you making me vulnerable. Uh, I do. No, but um, but thank you. Uh, you know, I love you, brother. I appreciate your story. I appreciate what you doing. Love you too. Bro. Thank you. And then, uh, you know, for everybody listening, in, thank you. Um, you know, uh, uh, look, look, Rick. Did you forget how to close? <laughs> I did, man. You screwed me all up. You did. You screwed me all. <laughs> Mark's gonna have a hell of a time editing this shit. <laughs> it's wonderful. I love it. <laughs> no, but anyway, th- listen. Thank you for the listener. Thank you. Uh, you know, just a lot of good takeaway information here, and 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 hopefully, even if you pause throughout it because uh, we went over the hour, just. I hope that you're able to take some good information. There's a lot of great stuff here, a lot of great life stuff. And that's what this is about. You know, it's it's not just the fire service. We're all alive and we're all human beings and we, we have a story. And I'm glad that, you know, Rick, you were able to share that part of it. So so thank you. And, and thank you to everybody else. Thank you to fire engineers. This is uh, Dave McGlynn, a fire engineer podcast, a training officer, and uh, everybody stay safe. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. (gasps) No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.